G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Idolatry, displacing God as your Lord and King, and then worshipping someone or something else, is just about as easy to do as falling off a bike. It takes absolutely no effort at all. The question is, how do you avoid that? How do you finally lay down your idols and put God back in the number one spot that he deserves to be in in your life? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and welcome again to the program as today we take a look at making those sacrifices from a different perspective. And look, stay tuned, because in just a few minutes, I'll be telling you about the powerful prayer that could be coming your way to help you through whatever it is that you happen to be dealing with in your life right at the moment. Right, so you've decided to deal with the idols in your life. Something or someone has set itself up in your heart above God, ahead of God. It might be a person or a possession or a position. It might be a loved one. It might be that new car that you've been dreaming of and you're prepared to go way into debt and compromise your giving to God's work in order to get it. Or it might be a career or what other people think of you. You know in your heart of hearts that this one thing has gone from being something good in your life to overtaking your life. From something that was good for you to something that has enslaved you from a servant to a master, from a thing to an idol, a little god of some sort that you sacrifice your whole life to. You've realised that, and now you want to do something about it. But it's just not easy, because you're so used to having that idol in your life. Now what? Where do you turn? What do you do? Are you relating to this? Are you feeling God tugging at the tender part of your heart that's wrapped around your idol, calling you to let it go? You know you should, but it's kind of like like being addicted to chocolate. You know it's bad for you, but man, I just want one more piece, right? It tastes so good, right? So where do you turn? To God, of course. To God's Word. And that's why we're going to spend a few minutes with a man who had exactly this same problem. Not just any man, but one of the Bible's A-list. His name, of course, was Abraham called out of his comfortable, wealthy existence by God to head off on a harebrained 25-year journey. He and his wife were childless, and they were already in their mid-70s. But God promised them a son and called them onto a journey to the so-called promised land that Abraham's multitude of descendants would inherit. (laughs) Like I said, pretty harebrained idea. Cut a long story short, Abraham and Sarah went on this torturously long journey. They honoured God, believed in God, and eventually, having even laughed at God over this stupid, ridiculous promise of becoming parents, father and mother to a multitude of descendants at the age of a hundred, God gives them a son and tells them to call him Isaac, which means in Hebrew, he laughs. In other words, God's great sense of humour, God got the last laugh. And of course, he who laughs last, laughs best. But as times go on, this wonderful son Isaac, you you can imagine how Abraham doted on him after all that had happened. 
Isaac starts to displace God in Abraham's heart. So God decides to put Abraham to a test. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said, Abraham, he said, here I am, Lord. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, Father! And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but... Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. It's pretty scary stuff, isn't it? But there's more. It goes on. Genesis chapter 22, verses 9 to 14. When they come to the place that God had shown them, Abraham built an altar, and there he laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached his hand out and took his knife to kill his son. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up, and he saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said today, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Listen to me. God loves you too much to let you continue in your idolatry. If he sees your heart straying away from him, he will put you to the test. He will bring you to a binary decision point. In other words, a place where there are only two options, either to lay down your idol or hang on to it and keep worshipping it. To keep heading on in the wrong direction, or to give up your idol as much as it may hurt, and turn your life back to him. The whole point of today's message is to tell you this one thing. God loves you. And if an idol has seduced your heart, he will test your heart and give you the opportunity to turn back to him. He won't force you, but he'll test you. And he wants you to know that and be ready, so that when the test comes, you'll know what's going on. Oh, by the way, would you like to hear how Abraham's test ended, what, what God said to him? Here it is, Genesis chapter 22, verses 15 to 18. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from the heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will bless you and I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of their enemies, and by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth gain blessing for themselves, because you have obeyed my voice. It kind of makes you want to pass the test, right? Of course it does, because the whole point of letting go of your idols, that person, that possession, that position, whichever it is, is so that God can give you his very best for your life. God does want to bless you, but like any good father, that's something he can't do when his child is hearing off in the wrong direction 
away from him and towards destruction. He will pull you back. He, he will bring you to that decision point. And with all my heart, I want you to be ready for when that happens. Because passing that test, making the right decision, is how we get hold of God's promises and blessings for our lives. It, of course, sounds so simple as I explain it to you, doesn't it? But let me warn you, I know it's much harder to do than it sounds. And because it is, I've made a decision in my life. I hold on to God's blessings loosely. I, I want to be ready, if God wants to take something away from me, to give it up to him willingly. Because if that's how I look at my blessings, if that's how I treat my blessings, they're far less likely to wrap their tendrils around my heart and become my idols. An idol is something that you won't let go of for God's sake. It's something that displaces God as your Lord and King, and invariably it's something that leads to a world of pain and hurt, no matter how much of a blessing it may have seemed to you. You can't argue that Isaac was a huge blessing from God to Abraham. But even God's blessings have to be put in the right place in our lives, lest they become idols, lest they lead us astray, lest we turn our backs on God and make gods out of our blessings. When that test comes, you'll know it. And I pray that you will have the courage to lay down your idols and discover God's very best for you. I'd like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we would love to pray for you. Listen, the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at PowerfulPrayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could pray for one or two others and leave them an encouraging word as well. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So let us pray for you and with you. And let's just see what God does, how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is PowerfulPrayer.org. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time Monday with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.